Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you for tuning in. Today I'm talking with Brian Dayton. He is barback, busboy, winter pursuist. He also kind of runs the places of Acorn, Oak, Corita, Brighter, Melted in Denver and Boulder, Colorado. That was a that was a long title for you, my friend. You are a busy man. <laughs> yeah, I got a few things going on for sure. <laughs> I love it. You're 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 building up quite the mini empire uh, in Denver and Boulder. I'm excited to dig into your story a little bit. But before we talk contemporary, we always like to go way back. You are originally from Tullahoma, Tennessee. Did I say that correctly? You did. Yeah. All right. You got it. I, I really wanted to make the people of Tullahoma proud. So talk <laughs> about Tullahoma. It's not on everybody's radar. And what was it like growing up there? Talk to us a little bit about that. And maybe uh, was there some food involved? Always interested if there's food involved. You know, I, as far as Tullahoma goes, you know, it's a pretty small town. I think by the time I graduated high school, it was like 16,000 people. You know, I had like just over a couple hundred people in my graduating class. Um, but it was, um, you know, pretty, you know, middle Tennessee. I always say now, what I used to say when I was growing up, people would be like, where is that? I'd be like 15 miles from Jack Daniels. Or if you look on a bottle of George Dickel whiskey, it says made in Tullahoma, which it's kind of true, kind of not, but uh, George Dickel's a little bit out of town. And then, um, but now everybody's been to Bonnaroo. So I'm like, oh, I grew up 15 miles from Bonnaroo. So, um, so kind of right in the middle of the state, you know, pretty simple upbringing, um, you know, but my, had a lot of freedom to get out in the woods and be a creative kid and have some fun and do some camping and all kinds of things there. So it just really, really is kind of fun childhood. And then my, as far as food goes, you know, my biggest memories were going to my grandmother's house. My, actually my, I shouldn't say this, my, my, my mom listens to this, but you know, my mom wasn't as big of a cook as we were growing up. And then, but my grandmother would have these huge, um, you know, Sunday, Saturday lunches, dinners and what have you. And I spent a lot of time with my grandparents on a farm that they had about an hour away. And that was um, kind of the biggest memory of my childhood and food and making the biscuits with her and eating pickled beets and, you know, just kind of, you know, a lot of fried chicken, a lot of, you know, that, you know, collard greens, all those kind of traditional Southern things, which I absolutely love and never get enough of. And so, but it's, um, that's what really invokes those memories of those first kind of being in the kitchen, enjoying it, washing dishes, you know, like after a big family meal and really bringing kind of those memories back to what kind of what we do on a different level today, but, you know, still in a more wholesome family matter. Yeah, it's all about how we come together at the table, isn't it? It's yeah. very personal, and man, if you can, if you can invoke those memories of childhood, right? Your sense of smell is the closest tied to memory, so instantly you smell something. You think of grandma's house. I think it's so cool and fascinating. Uh, so I like that you have something that that keeps you tethered to 
how romantic food can be if it's about family and connecting. So Tullahoma laid the groundwork there. And then it got you into the industry as well. Always very, very curious about how we find our way in the industries. There's so many different stories. And sometimes it's an accident. Sometimes it's a get a job kid. Sometimes you're a hustler and need some summer cash. So you started as a dishwasher, just like I did, just like so many of us did and should, right? Yeah. Uh, at a little mom and pa Italian place in Tullahoma. Talk to us a b- little bit about that time and, and specifically why you ended up there. Yeah, just um, kind of the, probably the latter part of that, trying to hustle some money for some summer cash, you know. And I was 15 and was like, my buddy Patrick was working there and he's like, hey, I'll get you a job. And so next thing you know, I'm in the dish pit scraping lasagna plates with this, with a freaking, you know, paint scraper. And it was like, you know, I'll never forget that job. I worked there for about 30 or uh, 90 days, about three months. And it was, um, it was great. I got to, you know, dive in because, you know, my first kind of, you know, truly, you know, that classic kind of mom and pop Italian lasagna, spaghetti, you know, lots of garlic bread and um, super tiny joint. And then I ended up moving from there to Piggy's Place Barbecue and ended up working at Piggy's Place Barbecue pretty much for the next two years until I graduated high school. And so that was my main job through, um, through the rest of high school. So, and that was fun, you know, putting the, putting the pork on the pit and pulling the pork off the pit. And it was like, you know, running the front cash register, doing some, making some different, you know, making house-made um, coleslaw and all that good jazz and baked beans and things. So it was, um, it was kind of more my, after my first dishwashing job, then moved into, and then I still did some dishes too at Piggy's Place, but they were just bigger, you know, pan, pots and pans to get those things clean. So, but it, it was a good job. Did you catch the so, bug yeah. right away? You know, I, I just enjoyed it, you know, and it was like, you know, I definitely, it was definitely like, you know, the the characters that we meet, you know, in our business, I think, keep us um, somewhat engaged in what we do. And I think that was my first experience, you know, with a couple of people that, you know, were very unique and find like, hey, like, you know, this is a different kind of business, different kind of personalities. And it, it was really kind of fun. And so I think it just kind of ingrained it and I enjoyed it and it definitely set the set the pace for where I kept coming back to and felt really comfortable and I ended up doing you know through college and even just post-college my first even my first management job was um you know a little bit of kitchen work and front of house work so it kind of that that piggy's place kind of set the bar for that where I was kind of back and forth you know and so it was it was definitely before I fully went front of house bartender and you know spent most of my career doing that so but it um it was, it was a lot of fun and learned a lot and definitely definitely got the bug going yeah you see characters I, I love that word it is such a cast of characters this motley crew this uh, island of misfit toys that we find ourselves in especially at that young age, it's like the energy and the intensity, the fire <laughs> clearly that you had at a barbecue place, I, I think is super fascinating. It's, it's, it's hard not to catch the bug. Either people are like all in and they go, this is fucking crazy. What, what is what's wrong with these people? And I understand both. I was like, yep, totally. you're right. You're absolutely right. I understand both sides of that. All right. So intensity i'm 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 feeling that you like some of that intensity and that the fire like i mentioned and and you said about that uh, the barbecue pit and then digging into kind of who you are as as a person as an operator you are not risk adverse you are an intense dude man a sponsored trail runner you did 250ks you were a trail champion i mean you did 
Everest Base Camp Solo, Jiri Long. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but a 28-day route. Dude, this is uh, – I'm getting anxiety just reading this right now, <laughs> thinking about it. Reflect on that a little bit, and then I'm really interested how you see yourself operating this way as, a, as, a, as an owner, as a busboy, as a barback in your operations today. Yeah, you know, I think that being pretty diverse in, in my whole career, I always, like I said earlier, when in my childhood, you know, I'd kind of, you know, mess around in the woods, build forts with my brothers, and you know, was really into Native American stuff and just was really into that. And then, you know, and I backpacked a lot with my, my brothers and my dad on the Appalachian Trail, and that's kind of what got me out west. And I had an opportunity right out of high school, put leaving um, Piggy's Place Barbecue. I actually ended up moving to Southeast Idaho, about 90 miles west of Jackson Hole and, um, and worked on a cattle ranch up there off and on for about two and a half years. And so basically what I would do is I would go up there and work eight, nine months. And then until I ended up in Colorado, came to Colorado and got a job at Mary Jane, Was a got a busboy job up there um, when I was 18. And and then I would go back, work the ranch and come back and forth. So I had this kind of, you know, I was really in, wanted to be into the mountains, really be into skiing, really, you know, I ran cross country in high school. And so all these kind of, you know, you know, little, you know, cement blocks that I just started to lay in my early youth kind of came to fruition. You know, I started getting the travel bug a little bit because I got to, once I moved out West, it was like, oh, my best friend goes to Berkeley. I'm going to drive out to Berkeley. I'm going to go see Big Sur and see some cool stuff. And then, you know, and then, and being all over basically between Idaho and Colorado off and on for almost three years. And then going back to the university of Tennessee, kind of long winded story, but kind of bounced back and forth, but it really set the bug. And it was like, Hey, I was always fascinated, obviously with the mountains and really being part of that. And in my, in my t later teenage years, early twenties, I was really into rock climbing, did the Grand Teton a few times, did a bunch of climbing on Moab. It was like, it was the flat irons and Eldo and all this stuff. And so it was really kind of my biggest bug. And as that kind of evolved, I was bartending and working. And then all of a sudden I was working and, you know, I got my first bartending job at 21. And, you know, all of a sudden I'm eating a lot of bad food, drinking a lot of beer. And I'm like, hey, I'm starting to get a little out of shape here. So kind of fell back to my cross country days and really started running a little bit more than I had a jog a little bit to keep in shape for climbing, but not really that serious about it. really got back into running and then pretty much replaced the rope with running shoes and kind of took off. And long story short, yeah, I ended up um, becoming a sponsored trail athlete for almost 10 years, ran for Nike, ran for Innovate, which is a company out of, um, out of Scotland and then ran for Vask, um, boots they had a small running team at the end of my career right before we opened up oak and um so i did that just really became really part of my life and dna um day in and day out and was really fortunate to win a lot of races and win two national championships and that was that was pretty cool and then um yeah the everest asia trip which i think about it now and kind of plays that that the whole trip i spent two months in nepal and um, three months in thailand and malaysia and this was you know, this was like 99, 2000. And I'm like, you know, a while back without GPS and everything. So it was a pretty, pretty kind of diverse um, time, you know, you had to go to the internet cafe and stuff like that. But it was it was a lot of fun. And so I got um, when I went to Nepal, I ended up going and wanted to do the old Jiri route, which is what a lot of like 
Malloy and all those guys that really climbed the mountain would do. And you'd start and you took this crazy bus out on this dirt road. We're all up sitting up on top of it. And you drive up to, um, you drive up to Jerry and you start to walk in and, you know, spent, you know, pretty much carrying all my own weight. Cause I, you know, there's some, I didn't really feel like having somebody carry my weight for me. And so I was like, I'll carry that for me. So, but then, you know, I ended up staying in a few, I camped like half the time, stayed in um, the guest houses the other half the time. So it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot, was by myself a lot and just really enjoyed it and got to go up to Everest Base Camp and had a, oh yeah, I'll never forget that. I was pretty much by myself there and up on the side of Pomori. Um, one day by myself, which was pretty crazy and pretty rare. And so, especially these days. And so, you know, very fortunate to have that, but it was kind of this passion and drive to do some things that are different and outside your normal wheelhouse. And yeah, I just was like, Hey, I was like, literally like Jay-Z was like, I'd go bartend and I'd come home, put my cash in my Nike shoe box and save it up and go on the trip, you know? <laughs> I absolutely love that story. I'm very, very interested <laughs> to unpack that. Like, Holy shit. Yeah, there's <laughs> a lot not, in there. It's <laughs> not a common story uh, in the restaurant industry. Uh, we talk about on this show quite a bit of having positive outlets and, and how I'm fascinated with people who are like, I'm into archery. I'm into, you know, mixed martial arts. I'm like, that's awesome because too often in this industry, we're only into eating, drinking, and eating and drinking. <laughs> and totally. uh and having another outlet. There's another thing that's interesting to me. One is is running and then taking this uh, Everest base camp route. You're very internalized, right? Very much in your own space. So I'm interested in that one, as now a leader of many, many, many people, uh, how you're able to then take something that's so internal and that drive and that passion, that dedication and bring it to a team. And also, when you're somebody who's achieving at such a high level, you know, sometimes in the restaurant industry, we have to remember, like, it's just hospitality, it's just food. How, how do you reconcile <laughs> that high level of expectation you have with delivering something that needs to feel humble and genuine and authentic in that way? I know those are two big questions, but maybe unpack that a little bit because I think people can get some value out of knowing your methodology and approach when it comes to that. Yeah, I think um, those are both amazing questions. And honestly, they're kind of um, the crux of my struggles daily to be a great leader in not only the restaurant business, but, you know, with my being a father of two and personal relationships, I think a lot of those things fall into place there because, you know, it is, you know, being so internalized, you spend a lot of time in your head, it's, it's not normal. Somebody that can go do like the Leadville 100, right? So, you know, and I <laughs> go out for 30, 40 miles and sit in your own head, you know, there's, you know, like, like, you know, they say and tell home and be like, that boy ain't right, you know, but it's, um, it's, um, you know, to be able to really do that and really have those thoughts, which I think is actually really helpful in like, you know, laying a, a mellow foundation for, for, my personal mind and body, but at the same time, you know, coming up with great ideas for the restaurants and doing different things and being on how to put pieces into place, I think is really there to take that same internal ideas and to put that into a team setting has actually been a big challenge for me. And, you know, there has been, as you know, Jensen, it's like we've gone through in our business where it was a very different reality from our old school. It was like, hey, you do the job, figure it out. No questions asked. Keep your head down and get it, rock it out. You know, whereas now it's like, you know, we're in a more of a community feel and really have to, you know, 
coach and teach and different things like that. So for somebody that's like comes from that old school, plus it's super internal, it's been a really big challenge for me to be a better coach, to be a better leader, to be a more, you know, open boss. And I think that that's something that's, you know, really something that's part of my clear path to be better with every day moving forward for my teams because they, they need me to be the best so we can grow and the, the restaurants be better every day. So, you know, something like that has just been, has been really, really, you know, it's, it's been a wide open, eye-opening experience for me. And so, you know, and, and I try to promote it and I'm being like, hey, you know, I try to get my teams be like, hey, that you guys should run. Hey, let's do the Boulder Boulder. Hey, let's do the Colder Boulder. Hey, like one of my chefs is, you know, trying desperately get to get into the Leadville 100. I'm like, listen, you get in, I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to help you pace. You know, it's like, you know, and so it's like, you know, definitely really trying to get that health aspect into the restaurants, which I think is some different de- desperately needed in our business right now. It, and that's kind of um, another box open maybe, but you know, it's, as far as that goes with my leadership, I think it's something that's really opened my eyes to being like, Hey, I to be more open and not as internalized and be more you know forthcoming and be like hey this is the expectation this is where we're going and explain the vision you know so just be like, oh hey we're gonna go hike on this trail and if it ever space camp be like oh hey this is why we're gonna do this. this is how we're gonna get there and so it's the same thing right but uh, to me instead of just knowing that you have to calm down because not everybody's thinking the same way you think obviously you know and um so I think that, you know, that's that kind of that first part. And then the second part of that was, you know, higher expectations is definitely, you know, something, you know, expectations always get you in trouble, right? And so, you know, I know where we're going and the vision of the restaurants and really trying to create that. But again, that kind of plays into to that role of being like, hey, you have to really be clear about expectations rather than being like, hey, this is why we're doing this. This is the path to where we want to get to and why and the biggest question is why right and so it's like hey why do we serve a table like this why is the food played like this why is time is it timed like this and so there's different there's a lot of little things in the minutiae of what we do every day that you know a lot of people don't think about and so I think for us you know again taking that hey how do we create you know greatness you know i look back at like you know i I take inspiration from vince lombardi you know it's like hey it's like you know i'll butcher the quote but it's like hey you know it's you know, we're never going to be perfect, but as long as we're, you know, trying to be perfect, we're always going to be excellent. Right. And so it's, you know, it's just like, you have to really constantly go after that. And it is, it is hard for me to let go. I've gotten a lot better. You know, I'm sure we opened up Oak will be 10 years ago this fall. And I'm a very different owner today than I was 10 years ago, even five years ago. And so, you know, it's just like, hey, my expectations are still there, but the way that I go about trying to get and manage those expectations is very different in helping my teams like, hey, they can lead, they can go, they can grow. And me, honestly, listening to my managers a lot more, I mean, like, hey, those are really good ideas. Okay, cool. Let's implement. And I mean, it's not a bad idea, but let's, let's, let's try it anyway, you know? And so really for me to be more of a cohesive team and really wanting to put the onus back on my, my management team to where they can grow. Cause I want everybody that works for me, that's doing this crazy business and, and, and killing themselves to get ahead. It's like, I want them to, you know, be like me one day and help, or, you know, we all do a restaurant or whatever that is. So, you know, really being open to those guys and let them drive the pole position and me kind of try to help lift them up. And so that's my biggest goal right now is to continue to strive to do that. I'm digging how many, uh, how many sports references that you made in that one uh, story, the pole position, the Vince Lombardi, love all of it. There's, <laughs> there's so many nuggets to unpack. I wanted to touch on a couple of things before we move forward. Too many. Uh, not, never too many. 
I think the things in our industry that quote unquote go without saying, they don't. They have to be said most often again and again and again and again. And I think that's really, really important. Sometimes we, we think that people have the same expectations. That's one thing you said I think is really important. Creating clarity, the why. Uh, I mean, as, as people who listen to the show know, I mentioned you, my whole thesis is around valuing and focusing on why and who before what and how, because you mentioned minutia, another word I like, we get caught. We chum ourselves a lot of times in the industry. So the vision, the why, so important. It gives people a North Star that they can all go towards. And especially when you're talking about the healthy outlets, things like that, like, man, so important to have that. That's a whole nother podcast. You said open up that box. That is a whole nother podcast. And right. I think really, really important. The fact that you're laying the groundwork practically to be able to have people map towards that instead of saying, hey, you should, have, you should just go have some healthier outlets. Go get a hobby. If you guys are actually creating the framework for that, I think very important. This, the the self-awareness within you, I think, is important because, as you mentioned, I, I joke about, you know, uh, of mice and men, Lenny and the rabbits. You just love the rabbits so much, you just squeeze them to death. And we do that a lot in the industry. It's coming right. from a place of love and care. Uh, we just hold on so tight. I've been guilty of it so many times. So I appreciate hearing that. I know a lot of people struggle with that balance. And then the listening. I mean, we're in an industry where we're supposed to be really good listeners, listening to our guests, our internal and external guests. And it's a struggle, especially when we got that magic that we want to just tell, 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 tell people about the magic. So a lot of really good stuff. Those were the big takeaways for me, I think are really, really important. And to go from a super deep, profound place to a very humble, simple place, we always like to talk about what's in people's fridges in their pantries, because I learn a lot about people, knowing what they eat and drink at home. And this is really great. Uh, we, we went from the tippy top of the mountain, like fucking literally Everest, down to you got Modelo Especial and some salt and vinegar chips. Dude, I loved reading that. I loved it. <laughs> it's so good, Brian. Because it's kind of like you are deep in it, man. You are like creating some unbelievably dynamic concepts, delivering a ridiculous balance of service and food and hospitality. And then you go home, you're like, God, I just don't want to think so much anymore. I just want something simple and easy. Reflect on that a little bit. Cause I love, I love, I loved reading that. Yeah. I think like, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of twofold, but like, you're right. I'm very spoiled with my restaurants. I have great chef partners and I eat really well, which is, which is amazing. And so I think maybe that's why I run so much too, because I'm always eating great food. So, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, I think that when I come home, it's like, I just want something refreshing, clean, not overly cerebral that I need to think about. And, you know, and I'll have something that's maybe a little bit different or outside the wheelhouse, but anybody that knows me well, they're like, uh, they don't have a model on a can. It's like that. Even my kids know that, which maybe they shouldn't. They're like, oh, dad, like, will I go to the Mexican restaurant? They'll be like, hey, do you have Takata or Modelo in a can? I'm like, okay, don't order for me. You're 12. So, but it's like, you know, it's pretty funny. It's like, you know, it's just like super simple, super easy. And I just want something that's, that's, that's just, you know, comfortable to, to kind of reset my mind after the crazy days that we have in this business. And, you know, they're definitely always, um, I'd say, you know, it's, it's, it's just like every other game we play. There's never one game that's the same. So no matter how many games we play, so it's pretty crazy. So it's something to unwind, you know, and the salt and vinegar chips is just something I'm like addicted to. I don't know if it's again, because of the running and where I am, but it's like, I, you know, 
it's just, I freaking crave it. And I will be on runs and I'll be craving salt and vinegar chips when I'm out there. So, but um, I think that it's pretty, pretty just simple. Yeah, I, I don't, I'm, when I eat alone or, or with my kids, you know, my, you know, and I see people out of face, you know, like I went to the village coffee shop, which is, you know, a greasy spoon here in Boulder, which, you know, it's kind of like, you know, what would be like a Waffle House kind of thing, but been around forever. And I love that place. I love the hash browns, the eggs. And I walked in there a few weeks ago with my kids and one of my guests was in there and they were like, you eat here? And like all like, you know, like, sounds like, yeah, I love this place. It's awesome. You know? And so it's just kind of funny, you know, like your perception of like, oh, I must eat foie gras and Japanese Wagyu 24 seven, you know, it's like, yeah, I get to definitely dabble in that. But at the end of the day, you know, it's like, I appreciate the simple stuff and the simple restaurants and the, you know, the hard work that we all do to, 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 to get into it. So yeah, it's a pretty broad palette, I'd say. <laughs> I co-sign with salt and vinegar. That's my go-to as well. I'm with you all the way. I think it's very interesting, the, the point that you made of going the greasy spoon and then the Japanese Wagyu to think that your expectation again to that point of an emotion and an experience and having those two be different is just not true. And what I mean by that is people ask me all the time, like, how can you eat this and this? I'm like, it's the same. I have the same emotional response to eating somebody's fifth generation Chinese Xiaolong Bao dumpling as I do that costs three dollars and a nickel than right. I do at the 250 to 500 to 800 dollar you know meals that Betsy <laughs> and I have had at, at Michelin star three Michelin star restaurants the motion is the same the the memory is different and the story I'll tell is different about it but like the feeling that I get the goosebumps that I get it's the same and I, li I like that to hear that from you because I think it's important if people are delivering on who they are then you win like whatever that is and i think that's a really really great way to be thinking about it so i love that you brought that to light uh i love that you talked a little bit about the game that we're playing because we always like to play a little game just dig into the head of our, our guests a little bit i wanted to just play a little word association i really like your <laughs> approach and philosophy having talked to you in the past about uh, your restaurants, the balancing act that you guys play. So I just want to throw some words out there and have you dig into your brain. You internalize a lot and, uh, and you got lots of little quips and sayings. So this is perfect. We vibe on that for sure. A uh, little best served on icebreaker game we like to play. Can I throw a couple words at you and have you give us your thoughts on them? <laughs> Sounds good. I'll see, I'll see how I go with my Tennessee education. Sounds good. Hospitality. What does hospitality mean to you and how are you delivering that through your your team and, and and to your guests you know to me it's just it's it comes down to being really basic you know when we talk about hospitality it's like i don't you know it's like thinking about all the things that we need to do from you know to from the time the guest you know touches or calls us or sends an email and online to make a reservation what have you you know i think it, you know from that till the time that they leave and even post that, you know, and I think that that's something that's very trained in us. And at, when we're doing hospitality at the same time, I think that, you know, hospitality should come from a place of like just general want and care of each individual of wanting to take care of humanity in a different way. And so to me, I look at hospitality in its true form of, 
hey, do the right thing, care. You know, it's like I, I did a thing for Eater a few years ago, and you know, I, you know, it was pretty basic on it. It's like, hey, these are my ground rules, but it's like, just care about your fellow brethren and care about what you do, and then everything else falls in place. I always talk about when, when you know, to my staffs, and I'm like, this is so basic. Every time you guys come in here, I want you to think about if you were at your house having a cocktail party or having your mother, your boyfriend, girlfriend over, brother, sister, whatever, for dinner, for lunch or something, how you would treat that person. You'd get them water, you'd like, you know, take their coat, you know, you would ask them how their day is, you'd turn on some music, you know, it's like those same functions that you would do being a caring individual, we need to extend all the way through the dining room and out. And so if you just take that basic, you know, care of, of what we do for people that are close to us and turn that on to the people that are you know, taking care of us and that we're taking care of in hospitality or in our restaurants every day, then I think that we'll be successful. So, you know, hospitality, you know, to me, again, it's just super, it's super simple and like doing the right things, pulling the chair out, putting the coat on, which I think a lot of humanity is really, you know, unfortunately I see that we've lost a lot, you know, you turn on, you know, <laughs> the politics right now, there's, there's no hospitality there. There's no care. There's no want, you know? And so it's, it's, you know, it's very selfish. And so I think that's something that we need to learn as a, as a whole community to be more selfless. And, and that's to me what hospitality is. I think of a uh, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Like, Hey, don't, <laughs> you don't need to overthink it all the time. Staff, team, employees, coworkers, what do you think of when, when I say that? <laughs> um, oh my gosh. I think, you know, all kinds of emotions that those words provoke. Um, yeah, we're really fortunate and feel really excited. We have almost 250 employees, which is crazy when I think about it, you know, and, and really I think about the, the, the families that we help support and, you know, the college kids and, and the young professionals and people that are in this business and people that aren't. So, you know, to me, there's a lot of um, genuine care and, and thankfulness. And when I think about my staffs and my teams and, and really think about all their lives, you know, cause it is super unique and everybody has a different pathway and we're, we're all on this crazy journey in these different restaurants, you know, my, my there's a guilt, I guess, you know, I don't get to spend as much time with my teams as I'd like, you know, cause you know, being a restaurant tour and being an entrepreneur, you know, is it, you know, and, and a father of two and trying to have somewhat of a, a normal life. It's, it's hard to, spend as much time with your staffs and get them as much, you know, me time as possible, you know, and try to, you know, coach and, and things like that. They're, they're probably thankful that they don't get much time with me, but it's um, <laughs> to me, you know, it'd be a little bit, you know, better with that, you know, with team, you know, teamwork, you know, kind of like hit on earlier with our teams and how we really want to think about pushing the envelope and really how we're like, really, I feel at this point of my career with all my restaurants, I'm really probably at the best place we've ever been with all my management teams. And that we're all like thinking about the greater good from making our teams the best on the floor every night on both sides of the line to making, you know, our ideas work and how we're going to push forward in this market and this ever-changing business, which is really crazy right now and how we're going to be more successful and how we're going to dig deeper into hospitality and I'm really thankful for that part to to be with that with my teams and and just to see them grow and to really you know get information from them like you know I, I love when I go and talk to my managers and 
they make me a better person during a day. And I'm like, wow, this, you know, the roles are almost reversing. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's a really cool place to be. So, you know, very thankful for that. And, you know, and then the biggest thing, you know, saying that the thankful thing is just, I can't, you know, my teams, just everybody that's been in this business and people that have or haven't been in this business, you know, I always say this is like one of the hardest businesses in the world. You know, we don't really talk about it you know we're not you know like you said earlier you know it is just food and drink on the table but the amount of physical energy it takes to get that drink or plate onto the table is insane the amount of mental capacity to get that beautifully crafted cocktail or that great bottle of wine or that amazing food and that amazing like esoteric you know ingredient that the chef sourced and spent you know six hours or maybe in fermented and all these things to like get it to the table is like crazy or the rancher there's like all these things you know but in our four walls you know I, I look at my teams how hard they work and the mental and physical um intensity that it takes to be successful and, and we demand a lot you know from our team so we are successful because that's what it takes and you know that said you know i'm very thankful that everybody that signs up and becomes part of our our teams at any of our restaurants is is, is willing to do those things because it's not an easy road you know it's definitely um it's definitely a challenging road and you know and i think that's you know you get home you're exhausted and you get up and do it again and it's a very different reality that you know i think that a lot of people don't understand and i'm very thankful that my team take that challenge and push it and I you know I'd love to see them get more recognition and grow in their careers that's what this show is all about talking more and more about those teams and when you nail it it's it's a beautiful thing for the next word guests Guests. what do your yeah. guests mean um our guests are you know it's you know we talk about it a lot you know as our our teams come first and our guests are right there with our teams. You know, obviously we need guests through the door and, you know, and it, and that's the biggest thing. We always say the word guest, you know, it's like, those are people that are coming into your home. Every one of my restaurants, you know, I look at as, as part of my home. It, it's part of my soul, part of, you know, my, um, my energy to bring these things to the forefront. So I look at it, you know, like, Hey, this is a guest in our home and we really need to take care of them to the utmost possible point that we can. And, you know, and it's, um, it's a great honor to be able to do that every day. You know, it can be very challenging, you know, cause everybody's different. Everybody wants different things. Everybody's been somewhere else. So, you know, maybe our interpretation of, one kind of food is, is different than the guest interpretation of their kind of food. And, and, you know, to walk them through that experience can be challenging, you know? And so I think that, you know, it's, it's a, it's a constant kind of, and it's, it's great on that dance you just said, because it's definitely with our guests, we want to, you know, bring it next level make sure that everybody's touched, everybody's talked to, make sure that, you know, nobody leaves unhappy. And it's, there's a constant challenge, you know, I mean, you look at like a busy, Friday where you can do up to 400 different people that walk through the door and you're just like, Oh my gosh, that's a lot of people to make sure that are happy, you know, in just one day. And then to constantly make sure that they're taken care of and everything on there is it's, it's a, it's a lot. So, you know, I think it's a great honor that we have. And, you know, to me, more importantly, I look at what we do in hospitality and within our restaurants with our guests is honestly to, you know, make people's eyes better. You know, to us, it's like we have this opportunity to literally make somebody's day better, right? So everybody has great days or has bad days or has mediocre days. But when people come into our house, it's like, hey, we have the opportunity to make whatever's happened. If they're already having a great day, you keep freaking making it better. If they're having a tough day, 
we make it better, you know? And so to us, you know, in my philosophy and ethos, it's something that we get to literally change humanity in the way that we do. And I think that that's really important that we don't lose sight of that because it is making the world a better place through the basics of nourishment that our, that our body needs in a, in a restaurant setting. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, we're, you know, we're not on the front lines with Greenpeace, but you know, at the same time, we're, we're hopefully making the world a little bit better place when they leave, they feel better. And the next day they're in a better mood because they, you know, get to talk about a great experience that they had and they don't even know it, or maybe they just feel good and they're just in a better mood the next day because of something that we did. You know, to me, that's, that's something that's really important and the overall goal. And are we successful with that all the time? No, you know, are we going to strive to be for sure? And so, but it's hard, you know, it's, it's, it's a constant, it's a constant challenge that, that I love accepting. I think absolutely we can change the world. The world is what it is, but we can transform within that world people and our humanity which i think is very powerful through something super basic right if we 100%. focus on being simple and staying in that moment then it is transforming because you, you mentioned politics the best chance that you have to get a political view that i am opposed to across to me is at a table eating food that's where i am <laughs> the most open <laughs> personally for myself yep. and I see that in a lot of other people so I'm with you and, and you said a word that I really like you said honor it's an honor for them to be there and I think that's the thing we can forget sometimes they're not lucky to be at your establishment because you've won XYZ award you are so lucky and should be honored that they'll spend one moment and one dollar with you and I think if we stay grounded to that we have an opportunity but it's it's hard. I mean, that's a challenge because, you know, we're, we're people and we have a little bit of bravado and, and ego. And so I like that you say that it's, it's an honor to have your guests there. This is uh this is great. We're talking a lot about people. I mean, we've gotten a lot of people. Let's talk about some more people. I, I want to know for you personally, who's, who's the first person when you think about somebody who sparks something in you that, that drives you that's innate in, in who Brian Dayton is uh, who would that person be for you? You know, I'd have to say probably my grandfather. You know, I think that that was, you know, somebody that from, you know, being a small child and, and really looking up to him, he was a, really a, a, a large gentleman. He's a farmer. He's principal at a Votech school in, in middle Tennessee there, you know, really humble. He was like one of 12 kids who, he was in World War II, got two Purple Hearts, and, you know, and, but he's kind of this quiet giant that was always, like, super gentle. You know, I'm sure if I saw him today, he maybe not to be as big as I remember because I was small. But, you know, I think, like, just looking up to him, his work ethic, what he did all the time, and, like, his respect for Mother Nature and, you know, hunting and, and full circle, what that meant and how that was transformed and family first and, you know, there's again, going back to the Sunday dinners and, and, and being there with him and, you know, I think, and, and just trying, you know, being around him, that's definitely somebody that has molded my life. And I think about even today when I'm like, Hey, you know, would, you know, grandpa do this, would it look like that, you know, would, and, and make, try to make honorable decisions based on, on, on kind of that ethos that was put into me as a small child. So that's probably, you know, as a, as a, as a young, very young child being malleable and just looking up to that greatness was really, really cool. And so, so I'm sure that I failed a million times past that and never be the man that he, he was, but it's, um, it's, it was definitely, um, the first kind of person that I, I really looked up to. Well, what's your grandfather's name? Jonah Fitch. 
Jonah Fitch. And then uh, is this the same grandmother you were making biscuits with? 100%. Yep. And her name? Uh, Lois Fitch. Awesome. Love hearing that. So you, you have those moments, actually. This is interesting where you're still trying to channel, you know, what would grandpa do in those, in those moments? Uh, is that very practical? Are you very much trying to step outside of yourself and say, okay, not, not what Brian would do, you know, because you're maybe too in the minutia. What would somebody have that has the work ethic that has that respect that is removed from being in the minutia would do? Is that something you're, you're, you're literally and physically doing on maybe, maybe not a day-to-day basis, but when you're thinking about big decisions? hundred percent. I think like, yeah, like I actually had to make a couple of big decisions the past couple of days and, and, uh, you know, I, I definitely think about it internally, try to look at it in different ways and then also seek advice from different people that are in the business, outside of the business, people that, you know, that are, that really help me from day to day that, you know, don't really even understand what I do, you know, but they have a very different lens that they look through. So I think like that's something to understand that, Hey, I don't have all the answers and, you know, I, I've made some right answers and I've made some wrong answers in my life. And I want to make sure that moving forward, <laughs> they're more right than wrong. And so I think that, you know, it comes with maturity and, you know, and um, jumping, like you said, back into that fire several times, you know, once you get crispy, you gotta, you gotta figure it out. But um, it's, um, yeah, I, I definitely, you know, I'm, I'm, it's definitely not, um, you know, like I said too, it's like part of my management team and ethos. I want to learn. I want to listen. I want to grow because I only look at me. I'm only as good as, you know, the sum of all parts. Right. And so to me, it's very important to look at all facets and who's good and who's great and who's been successful and who's honorable. And Hey, those are, those are things that I think are really great for, for any person in any kind of life, making any kind of decisions. I appreciate that you're you're taking insight from people outside of the industry because sometimes it's so easy for people in any industry and especially in ours to be like, you just don't get it. You know, you kind of right. push people aside because we're so silent. You don't get it. You don't know what it takes. It's like they may not know, again, the minutia, but they're still people navigating just like we're navigating. So I really, really like that. I, I've always appreciated and tried to understand both philosophies, thinking, or perspectives outside, but also even very technical, practical things. I always joke about this technique I taught cooks of how to hold your tongs when you're not using your tongs. I learned from barbers the way that they would slap their comb into their into their hand so they never put it down, so they never did jumping jacks. So it's very interesting from just a technique standpoint, but also a philosophy standpoint. I think there's a lot to be gleaned when we don't totally. think so linear within our industry. So I can really really appreciate that all right move us forward you have this strong foundation of grandma and grandpa absolutely much respect to hear that move us forward a little bit somebody else that really impacted you that you kind of reflect on who's that for you yeah you know i look at because i've had you know obviously in mid-40s now looking at different lanes of my life and who's been there you know and who's who's really helped coach me at different points and be part of, you know, who, who I've become today, you know, and 
I would say, you know, going back to, I keep coming back to like these foundations of the farm work and the real simple kind of life. And, you know, when I worked on the cattle ranch in Idaho, the, um, the family's last name was called small. And so it was, it was a very small part of Idaho, but, um, and, um, you know, I look at, um, my boss there and then, um, his name is Butch, Butch Small. And he, um, you know, the first time I actually went to the, to the, to the stock show in, in Denver was with, with those guys, you know, back like 20 years ago, which is crazy. But, um, you know, there's uh, the saddle bronc guys that were riding, but then they would come home and work really hard. And I think like coming back to that work ethic and I still see Butch, you know, one or two times a year. And we, we talk about different things and we have very vastly different, you know, um, views on politics and things like that. But we're still got this like really great friendship of like care and want and like, Hey, what's great for the world and what's great in this farming world and things like that. And, and coming back, you know, full circle, how things, you know, basically get on our plates at the restaurants, you know? And so I think it's very fascinating, but, you know, being around him and again, it comes back to the work ethic, to the, the care, to the, the slower life, I think is something that's been really, very important in my life, you know, moving past that, looking into um, my restaurant world, you know, there's two, um, basically three guys that really stand out, you know, in, 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 in shaping who I've become today and, and who, you know, I really take bits and pieces from in my career. And, you know, one is Tim Luca. Tim is um, actually up in the Roaring Fork Valley and he, you can catch him on Saturdays up at the Woody Creek Tavern. He still bartends up there. And, and Tim taught me how to bartend at um, Juanita's Mexican restaurant in Boulder back in the mid nineties and really took me under his wing. And, you know, Tim's like this super energetic guy, still super energetic. I just got to go on a run with him a couple of months ago when I was up there and we went and I hadn't had got to do a run with some guy. He, he got me into trail running when I, back in like the late nineties when we were bartending, he really was like kind of influenced me in a lot of really positive ways. And he really, to me, and still today, even though I became a great bartender, I look at how I failed at being a great bartender compared to how Tim Luca is a great bartender because you know, I went on to do competitions and all those things that were really amazing and very, very fortunate to do and, and travel the world doing it. But that at the same time, you know, I look at where Tim is just like, it was that true, authentic, taking care of hospitality and taking care of the guests and making people laugh and always having a joke and high energy. And, you know, and, and Tim, he never, he never drank alcohol, which was crazy to me. Like, I was like, I was like, you never drank. He like got, you know, he drank one time, like in high school, but he's been a bartender his whole life. And you're just like, how does this happen? So, you know, just his positivity and his positivity on life and really a bigger full circle on, on again, how that changes humanity and be able great barman is, is somebody so tim tim's always been there i worked for a gentleman named um dan sabika I had about a three-year stint in between colorado and moving back to colorado then i moved to san diego dan sabika owned a couple restaurants in north county up in um, del mar and encinitas and i lived there i worked at he had a restaurant called meritage restaurant bar that was on the 101 there up in Encinitas and I was became the bar manager there and you know and Dan um very intense dude very um you know fierce leader you know Irish Italian but you know he was like very fair you know um you know he you know kind of in that same kind of level that like Oak would be kind of area he would he he, he thrived in and so I really take like what he 
has done in his career and where he came from being a front house meter D and getting to talk to Dan. And when I go back there, I always stop in and sometimes I see him and sometimes I don't at Sabika, which is in Del Mar, which is his, his flagship restaurant. And just, he's been, you know, somebody I look up to and, and look at how he's navigated and, and been successful in his little world of just, Hey, really into the business and really understanding the business and having fun with it, you know, because we all, it's, it's kind of like what we do. Right. And it feels good to be in your house. And I think Dan exudes that. And then lastly, I would say Bobby Stuckey, who's one of my best friends and, um, and mentors over the year. I've known Bobby. Bobby has a better memory than I do, which I, I strive to I strive to do. But I mean, I've known Bobby now. Actually, I met him right before I moved to San Diego on a random run, which was crazy. It was his first day in town, my last day in town before I moved to San Diego and wrote his name on a little piece of paper with his email and that's how Bobby and I kept in touch while I was in San Diego. And before I moved back, I was like, Hey, I want to interview with you and <clears throat> excuse me and work at Frosca. And he was like, yeah. And so it's, it's kind of like how it worked out, but Bob, um, I've known him, you know, I think something like 15 years now, maybe even a little bit longer and we've become, you know, yeah, longer than that. Cause Frosca has been open for 15 years. So yeah. So it's like 16 or 17 years. So, you know, and somebody that I've run a lot of miles with somebody obviously is like arguably the best martyr mater D in the business. And so somebody that's like, you know, for, I think that in the United States like uh, really stands out with obviously hospitality and everything that he does and his, all his teams do is absolutely amazing. But it's, um, you know, somebody that I, can bounce ideas off of and somebody I turn to that when I um, have questions in our business, you know, and, and so I'm like, Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? So, you know, and we talk about a lot on runs. And then lastly, I would say um, my biggest investor and good friend, Jeff Bosboom, who's, you know, he used to be a bar regular of mine. I always say this, you never know who's going to change your life. And Jeff used to come into the bar all the time at Frosca and he's like, Hey, why don't you work for yourself? Why don't you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to try to get there one day. And, you know, and Jeff like, you know, he's like, well, let me know when it happens. And Jeff's been on every one of my projects and he's, um, he's, he's always got a good lens to look through. And, you know, and the thing I'll say is that he's always wanted the best for me and my family and the best for my chef partners and something like that, that he's been a really positive person to be able to talk to over the years when I had different challenges and, you know, he's, he's got a very great financial mind. And so something that's really helped me along my journey is to look at things on a different level, as far as looking at, you know, P and L's and all those things that, you know, are very different with that, you know, coming out of being a bar manager and front house manager, you're, you know, you're looking at your, your COGS reports and understand what your bottom line is to get your bonus. But sometimes you don't look at like what that means whole, whole circle, you know, so he's really been there and helped and, you know, he's always there, whether it's, it's, um, you know, something personal, him and I going skiing and just, you know, having a good day out or it's like talking about business. So I'm really thankful for the relationships I've had and still have in my life to, to continue to mold, to, to help um, push me to basically be a better human. So I'm very, very thankful for that. You know what I really like is that each of these four gentlemen are kind of giving you a, a different angle. Like, right. Like sometimes we, we, we we respect this the person who's the same person by that you're like you always respect this the single thing and then you find yourself finding that person again and again and again you see that a lot i think it's very interesting that you have four completely different gentlemen that haven't had a major impact on you because you're always kind of looking at how to round out yourself so from tim who's clearly a unicorn 
man. Totally. <laughs> so, yeah, he's definitely uh, unicorn. And then uh, uh, Dan, I know his restaurants. I graduated from Vista High School. I grew up in North County, so I know. Oh, nice. Uh, there, yeah, I know. I know their spots pretty well, and uh, you know, having somebody that supported you from mentoring on the financial side and being there financially because that's a challenge in, in the restaurant industry. We're so about service and food. Sometimes we forget about the financials and then Bobby Stuckey and Frosca and then Lachlan at Frosca as well. I see so many parallels when I think about you and your restaurants and Steve Redzikowski and then even Amos Watts, you, you mentioned your chef partners too, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, I think is very, very important. The places that seem to do it best in my mind are the ones that have trust, respect, and balance when it comes to front of house and back of house. When we get too tilted in one direction or the other is when we sometimes spin off our axis. So I can really, really appreciate that. I, I want to touch on that because I think it's something that you guys do so well. It clearly got from Bobby and Lachlan when both you and Steve were working together at Frosca Maybe dig into that a little bit more. How, from just a day-to-day -day practical standpoint of having a relationship with a business partner who's running the other side of the business, how are you, how are you managing that? And how are you continuing to evolve the relationship so that it's the best for your team, the best for your guests? Yeah, you know, I'd say, you know, partnerships you know we always talk about it like and anybody that has partnerships will tell you you know it's like it's like a marriage you know so you know sometimes you're you're happy and super stoked and sometimes you're not you know and so you know the the one thing that i think you know that separates you know it's the biggest thing is like being business minded and putting the egos aside and really understanding hey like you know, this is the best decision for it. The other part of that is the also that is the passion part of it is that the passion for the food business and really like wanting evolution and really wanting to push it to the next level, I think are things that like, I think that um, anybody that has met me has probably, you know, has never <laughs> for better, for worse is like, Hey, Dayton's definitely a passionate person, whether they, <laughs> whether how that comes out or not. And then, you know, with my chef partners the same way. And so it's like, I think that's the biggest thing for us because I don't think that, you know, in our business, I don't think you can survive if you're not really passionate about what you do. And I think that's a, the one underlying thread that brings back and really makes us successful, you know, and I think, you know, you know, like you said, like, you know, the, the, we have different personalities, you know, I'm, you know, I'm okay with taking risk and, you know, and Steve's not, you know, and that's how Amos came into the picture with, with Carita, you know, it's like, Hey, Amos had worked for us for a long time. And, and I was looking for a chef partner on this project. And, you know, and so, you know, it's, it's, you know, and Steve likes that slow, steady grind and he's really successful with it. And, and it shows in all the care and want and the passion that he does every day, you know, and, and then it has also opened up new doors for Amos and his family to be part of this amazing project, you know, what we're doing and trying to, change the way people view beef and eat beef and, and, and have an amazing restaurant and still be laid back at the same time. And so it's, it's got its own challenges and, and, and positives and negatives. And so I think that, you know, but again, it's that passion, you know, to, that really drives both those businesses. And I think that drives all of us to be successful and really, really, really puts it down, you know, and then the, the hard work ethic, you know, I, we have Chase, um, um, Joel Chase Devitt, who's my, who's our, 
chef partner at Brider as well. And, you know, it's like, you know, Chase has worked at Oak, worked at Acorn, and then he's had the opportunity to come on board with us at Brider. And, even, you know, even though Brider's, you know, quick casual, it still has the same ethos as any of our other restaurants. And I think, you know, his hard work and dedication and passion for the business and, you know, he, he's, you know, way he, his lens looks through it has made us really successful there. And, you know, his commitment to it really pushes us to the next level. So I think all that comes back to passion care and you know when you know when things are rough you know it's like hey we have to get along we have to make the right decisions for the teams we have to make the right decisions for the business and we have to right make the right decisions and so i think like we're all you know been able to pretty much do that in the, in the best ways possible over the years and so you know look at you know steve and i going into our 10th year is just pretty amazing so i'm very thankful for that and it's it's crazy like to think like 10 years wow and it's like wow did it really happen like that steve's like he's like it felt like yesterday He's like, he's like, he's like, I don't even remember any of it. You know, I'm like, yeah, I kind of don't either, but here we are. So it's pretty, pretty wild. I mean, 10 years is multiple lifetimes in a restaurant industry. You know, when you think about and just from an employee standpoint, when the average turnover on an industry is, is 56 days is how long the average employee lasts. It's is that true? great. That is a real number, man. Crazy. Wow. Oh, man. crazy crazy <laughs> yeah, 100% that's a whole other podcast as well it's talking about that you touched on some of the business model stuff of managing your your costs but not actually delivering on what that cost is supposed to deliver that is a whole nother business model conversation as well however I really want to get back to humans this is all about humans you have 250 employees impossible to acknowledge every single one of them individually. I wanted to give you an opportunity, maybe three or four people just in list form that maybe really embody the ethos that we can mention. And then my challenge to everybody who's on the show is I do expect you to share this and this story and that the, how important they are with every single employee that you have. But just in the short time that we have together, who are a couple people that you go, man, just maybe line level or even junior management, just the people that are in the trenches that you go, man, they got it. Like, I just am so lucky to have them on our team. Who are a couple of those people? Yeah. I mean, God, well, everybody, you know, obviously to have everybody out there, you know, the, um, you know, it's, it's definitely, there's so many people on both sides of the line that you're like, it's like, how do we get, how do we get people that are stronger, better, faster? And that really falls on the team and people that really get it. And again, to me, I look at it, you know, who are the people that really get it and really want to be part of this. And they're like, Hey, I want to push the envelope because that's your core team. Right. And, you know, straight out the bat, you know, Ian Palazzola out of Acorn, who's my executive chef there. And, you know, Steve's taking a back seat in the, that restaurant and is just focused on Oak and Ian's really taking the reins, you know, looking at, you know, Ian being a, a, a young chef and, and a great guy, it's just like, and his passion for food and how he geeks out on it and really thinks about things next level and is, is something that's truly inspiring to me and is just something that I'm like, oh my God, like, it's really cool to have like conversations with him and and really kind of kind of like you know really next level and so it's it's really cool and the, you know again coming back to seek knowledge from the team you know me i'm like all my great team members right now are are younger than i am and they're giving me great ideas and really things and you know i was listening to like 
you know, that, um, that podcast with David Chang and it's like his, you know, his CEOs, I think she's 30 or 31 or something and she's pushing the envelope and I'm like, there's something to this because the lens is different for us old guys. Not that we're that old, but it's, you know, something to really listen to. Um, my general manager at Carita, who's Andreas Pajovec is he's, he's been with me for over five years. Andreas is like, you know, he, has definitely eaten humble pie and you know, started off as a back weight. I don't even think he'd really been in the restaurant business before he walked in the doors at Oak and he worked for us hard there, became the bar manager. Then he ended up becoming the bar manager of Oak and Corita when we were first opening up and kind of trying to tackle both those programs and the way that he nerds out all the time on, Hey, we could do this behind the bar. He thinks about service. Like he, like, you know, the conversations that we have in the group, it's like, when, as soon as I call him, you know, it's like, we're immediately in the huddle. We're immediately talking about the, we're immediately pushing the envelope on different levels. And so I think that there's something that's really inspiring by that. And it really just, just really helps us every day. You know, um, you know, like I said, Chase, you know, Chase is a chef partner, but Chase is definitely like his, his work ethic is, is out of control. And really just somebody's fighting the, the good fight every day, you know, looking at Andrew Dudley, who's my new GM at Melted, which is my new ice cream shop. You know, Andrew's very calm, very patient, you know, and he's like, he's just like, cool cucumber and having him running that new kind of fun experience that we have going on down there has been amazing. And then, you know, Justin Dano, who's my GM at Acorn, who's, who's more recent on our team, but this guy like comes from very similar to my career, been a bartender, front of house guy, most of his career. He's a, he's got that energy. Like I was talking about like Tim Luca has very like, Hey, like really out there always exuding person, you know, positivity and something that, you know, he loves the business, which, you know, it's like, and I'm like, that's awesome. And somebody that I really take a lot of um, inspiration from and really like helps me be, be a better person. God, I could lose this list going to go, you know, it's like, um, you know, oh, this is great. Beck, you know, this Sarah Beckwith, you know, Sarah has been with this God, how long has Sarah been with us? She worked with Steve at the Nell for a long time. And then she's running the helm at Oak. And like, she's Steve's right-hand woman. And she's like, just laying it. She just had a baby and now she's back slaying it again. I'm just like, who is this superwoman? you know? So, you know, William Kuzak, which is another one of our chefs at, at, um, at Oak, he's super young and he's been with us, I think going on four years now. And he's just super great with, with, um, with the, with his care and passion and dedication to the business. So, you know, it's, it's, it's wild. So just having him step up and he actually just got a job promotion. I'm really happy for him. He's one of the few chefs that like called me like two years ago. He's like, Hey, Brian, can we get a cup of coffee? I want to talk to you about what I'm doing. And I'm like, fuck yeah, we can go get a cup of coffee. Let's talk about, where you're doing this crazy business and what that means and all those things. So I think that he's just been, been, been absolutely amazing. Then um, Marcos Mendez, who's Marcos has been with us, you know, off and on five, six years now between Acorn and Corita. And, you know, he drives the helm over at Corita for us now. And he's absolutely amazing. He's like the, you know, silent, the deadly, like, you know, ninja. He's just in there freaking grinding it out every day, taking care of him, making sure, all the T's are crossed and I's are dotted and all that good jazz. And, you know, Bobby Thoitus at Acorn, who's Ian's right-hand man, he's been with us just now over four years. And 
he's cranking his dedication to see the transformation of Acorn from you know pre Brighton Boulevard disaster to post Brighton Boulevard greatness. And so, you know, to really keep grinding it out every day. I mean, there's just um, just I mean, so many people. Brian, this you know? is great. I love yeah. how how I have 15, 16 names written down and we can keep going and going and going. And <laughs> Sorry, it's very yeah. clear. No, this, <laughs> is, know, like, this is exactly it. This is the whole point of this show is like every single name that you mentioned, they matter. And honestly, to your, to your point in recognition, at many, many, many moments, they matter more than you do because they're touching the guest in a way that you can't anymore with those multiple restaurants. So empowering those people is really important. And here's the thing. I know you're going to continue this. You'll text me later and be like, oh, I should have mentioned these three more people. And I love that. Like that's right, part totally of what like, uh, excites me about it. <laughs> and, and then, you know, what you'll do is like, you'll, I don't know, play a little excerpt of this, like just this part where you're naming all these names at pre-shifts at all of your places. And then literally be like, and you, and you, and you, and you. Like that's, that's my goal is, is, is really for people to acknowledge and recognize each other. So I love that. And we got one more person. I can't believe it. We got one more person that I want to touch on. Uh, your nominee for Unsung Hospitality. I call it a nominee because I want us really thinking about how these people should be nominated for something. Just like, you know, you guys have been nominated for James Beard Awards nominated for the fact that they have such an impact on you personally in the industry as a whole. So tell us a little bit about Greg Van Wagner. Yeah, Greg's um got he's a, just a great, great guy, great front of house hostilian and just great, just super cool guy. He's he put up with me opening up Oak and my craziness with like my first restaurant and then he's like gone on and like eons and light years above who i'll probably ever be in this business which is, is great to see and i love seeing him. he's definitely somebody that i really enjoy talking to and seeing anytime i can greg and i um, um met at frosca he actually came in and started working behind the bar and became my bar back and i don't even know to be honest with you, greg was like 18 years old or something but he um you know he's somebody that like really was um it was um just um right out the bat just like worked really hard was like back there with me and i think it he'd worked like in an ice cream shop before he came to work at frosca and he's kind of yeah it's very similar to like andreas in that same kind of trajectory he hadn't had a lot of fine dining or, or hostility and was like hey i'm gonna jump into this and so he um he um he was very um just like young and hungry and worked his ass off and so and then when i went to open up oak i was like greg i need a you need a great bar guy and i trained greg to be my be the bartender at frosca and he was like yeah let's do it so he became the bar manager at oak and really helped me do that you know our whole soda program that we have today greg pretty much figured out when we were I had some good ideas that I got from like Johnny Ruzzini and some different things. And we'd done some dinner, we'd done the dinner at Frosca. I was like, Oh, we'll do sodas like this. And then when we had the fire, Greg, you know, we were able to, cause we had business interruption insurance. We were able to keep um, a lot of our staff still employed, which was very fortunate. And we kept Greg, you know, Greg stayed with us. And during that time, instead of, you know, just like goofing off and going and doing the 10 million things, he like really spent a ton of time working on the soda program trying to make it better and like figured out like this like wand and like how you put co2 into the bottle while you're filling the 
the bottles and like all this stuff, like total next level stuff that like nobody was doing 10 years ago, you know? And so he was like, this is, you know, so I give him full credit because he just, you know, never stayed at a young age resting on his laurels. And so, you know, and then Greg, um, so he wanted to move up to the mountains and he moved up to Aspen and worked a little bit at the little Nell and then fell over at Jimmy's and, you know, Jimmy's been a long time friend of ours and one of the greatest agave, you know, palates in the nation and somebody that's really helped actually the whole transformation of agave in the United States. And so having, you know, having Greg there from the bar side of things, cause Jimmy's really on that, but then also Greg diving in to get his, you know, his, all his credentials, become an advanced sommelier, become a master sommelier. There was, um, he, he passed the, the masters and there, there was a little bit of a scandal that went on. And unfortunately he didn't get to still have that, that title after, after that, which I think he totally deserves. And he was an amazing individual, amazing palette, but to see him go through all these levels from, you know, being a super humble young bar back and then in like no time, basically be a master Tom is like freaking mind blowing. And, always in a good mood, always like traveling to cool places, always wants to talk to you, always genuine, always cares. Like just a really, really great individual. And I'm super excited to have him as a friend and see where his career goes. Clearly has that unrelenting drive like you do. So you had a kinship there. That's pretty clear. Brian, my friend, unbelievable hearing about so many different people. It's very clear to me. It always has been knowing you and, and from a distance and then even in conversations. But in this conversation, like people matter. 100%. The, the end. Like people matter. And so I love the, the quote, the words to live by that you gave us. I always want to end the, the episode, the show with some words to live by. Take out in the world. Make it a better place. You say care. Learn to truly listen. I mean, I think you've said it multiple times in this, but encapsulate that for us, what that means to you. Yeah, I mean, I think like the one of the biggest thing is like to learn to really listen. And I think that that's something that, you know, took me a long time, you know, then I think it takes all of us because, you know, if we're not really listening, we're not going to be successful in what we're doing, you know, and I think that that's something that crosses all spans of all of our lives from, you know, from our personal relationships to our business relationships to you know understanding the a different culture and whatever that is and so I think that it's very important that we truly listen and listen with an op open ego all those things and so it's something that's very 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 important to me to to have that you know and i'm not always the greatest listener i'm sure <laughs> there's some my manager will be like you don't listen that great sometimes but you know I, i'm always striving to be there and it's like hey i do need to and i think we all need to because again because like if we really are that it, it produces empathy right and so if we're like and if we can try to understand what other people are going through or what their mindset is and we can learn and grow and maybe it works and maybe it doesn't, but to listen is like the first step, I think to help us all just maybe get along a little bit better too. And so um, that's, that's kind of my bigger, broader platform on that. Absolutely love it. Brian Dayton, I am honored to have you be a guest on my basic little podcast. Just throwing some of your verbiage back at you because it's, it's gold Thank you so much for what you're doing for your 250 
team members, for the industry at large, and for just talking about some people in the industry and that why and who. It really does matter. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate the time. Great to catch up with you. It's, it's been too long. So thank you, Jensen. Congrats on everything. Cheers. We are back talking to Greg Van Wagner, who Brian had lots of amazing things to say. And I'm excited, Greg, to talk with you. Thanks for being on the show. Jensen, thanks for having me. This is great. Yes. Well, thank uh, uh, Brian, because he uh, had all kinds of gushing words to say about you and we'll get into the relationship that you guys have because I know it's strong let's give people a little bit of background on you uh, tell us where you're from originally totally so I grew up in um, central Pennsylvania uh, kind of Harrisburg area and I actually grew up uh, road bike racing and so that brought me out to Colorado and I, I very much lucked into my first job truly in the industry I mean I had worked at you know, breakfast spots when I was in high school, but, um, the first job truly in the industry, I, I lucked into a uh, position at Frosca. And so that definitely like changed my life, kind of set me down the path for hospitality. Um, and then worked with Brian for an amazing couple years there. And then when he went to open Oak, uh, he thought of me and we, you know, we got along great and had, had an amazing relationship. And so uh, I was on the opening team at Oak and then there both before the fire as well as after. And um, yeah, and then moved up to Aspen, Colorado and was at the Nell for a touch. And I've been in my current outpost at Jimmy's as a wine director for, let's see, about seven years. Seven years. That's like a, a lifetime, multiple lifetimes in restaurant years. So uh, Frosca as the first real entree into the industry. That's a pretty serious, uh, way to get in the industry. That's, that's not a, a starter restaurant to say the least. And, uh, it's interesting, you know, knowing the unbelievable amount of, uh, uh, accolades in the, uh, racing world and sports world that, that Brian's had. So you guys definitely connected on being, uh, the physicality and the the adrenaline junkie side that feed into your guys's relationship as you guys kind of formed a bond totally totally and you know it's one of those things that i, I think you you know you see so many uh people in the hospitality industry that come from these um athletic backgrounds because it takes like i mean you can see this in brian that perseverance that dedication um, and that, that ability to kind of see where the end goal is, uh, even if it's not necessarily remotely in sight and just keep kind of pushing through. And, uh, you know, Brian, Brian's a super tough runner, and there's, there's no way that the lessons learned in those. I mean, he was doing these – he I think he did Leadville 100 like a year or two ago. It's, it's crazy. I think that, that, you know, that level of dedication is – is I definitely think helpful for, for all of those restaurants. And we also touched on how it's a um, solitary sport that he does road uh, bike racing is probably the same and, and touched on that as like how you're leading a team now of 250. I it was like, my jaw hit the ground when I said, wow, he's got 250 employees now. And uh, wow. And I know <laughs> same. That's what I said. And, and uh, and then thinking about him 
as an athlete, a lot of times you're like, oh, an athlete. So you're, you're a team player. You've been in team sports your whole life. And maybe there was a little bit of that, but he's solitaire. I mean, you were all in your body, in your head, running, you know, a Leadville 100. Uh, talk about that maybe a little bit. Same for you because, you know, you are a little more solitary. You have that competitive nature. What's it like being in a team and then specifically working with somebody like Brian kind of as a leader within that team, but both coming from a solitary sports background? I mean, I think it, it, it you know, one benefit there is on some of these endurance sports, you have, uh, you have a lot of time to, to think through problems and, and kind of see, I mean, you know, scaling a restaurant from, from, you know, I think when we, when we started Oak, we had, I don't know, 30 employees starting off and for him to scale it up to uh, multiple different restaurants and 250 employees. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's almost necessary to have, have a little bit of that uh, kind of meditation time while you're doing the, the running. And I mean, I think that helps because then you can, okay, how do I solve a complex problem with, uh, uh, or not problem, but figure out something with the, uh, the restaurant. Okay. I want to do this. Um, and I think that, that kind of connection. And I mean, we're all Coloradans, that, that kind of connection to nature too, I think is, is really beneficial. You know, when you work in a, a busy restaurant all night, you get out late and keeping, keeping that kind of meditation going, I, I think is, is big in the restaurant industry. Yeah. It makes a ton of sense to me for sure. All right. Take us back to, uh, take us back to Oak. I mean, now having set that, as you know the flagship of now five restaurants that he's got and and we touched on just a little bit the perseverance you mentioned but him talking about the fire and then getting back to it I mean that's a tough road talk about those those early days you know some of the fun times or the trials and tribulations because opening a new restaurant it's a shit show I mean it just is right no matter how good you are no matter how frosca trained you are it's still, everything's getting thrown at you a million miles an hour. So take us back to that time. Talk about a couple of the memories that you have and especially any isms. We love isms on Brian. Yeah, we, we were, that was, that was an adventure, but you know, it's opening a restaurant anywhere. It's, it's a lot of hours. It's a lot of work. It's so rewarding. Uh, it's kind of scary and, and you definitely learn, learn a lot. I mean, we were, we were side by side, you know, working through and figuring out, okay, how are we going to do this? You know, let's get these menus set. And uh, I remember one night we were there, it was, it was after service and we were sitting there like cutting the little wood boards that we would bring some of the dishes out on. <laughs> like they didn't, you know, you open the place, they didn't quite like, oh, they were kind of hard to pick off the table. And so we're sitting there, you know, it's like midnight cutting the boards and, um, there was another night. Oh man, we must have spent two hours after service. Just uh, we, were, we were trying to figure out the lighting and how. Okay, what are the exact levels? Okay, it's dark here. I think we I walked out of there at like two in the morning. Like, oh man, I hope I hope we did all those labels right and the the restaurant looks perfect tomorrow night. <laughs> those are the, exactly the kind of stories. It's just like you're just in it right you you have you have no choice but to figure things out for sure and then take us forward so the fire i mean that was obviously devastating and then kind of the rebuild what was the what was the energy like maybe just right when that moment happened but more importantly i'm interested what was the energy like when you guys got 
back in there and said, we're going to do this again, bigger, better, faster, stronger? I mean, it was, it was one of those things where, I mean, it must've been, it was, it was just, you know, horrible for everybody and just such a shock. I mean, so early into the, uh, into the restaurant opening that, you know, when uh, we redid it, it was one of those things that it really had, I mean, the, the first opening had an amazing amount of energy. The second opening, even, even more so because we said, okay, all right, we did this, you know, a year and a half ago now, you know, let's tweak this, let's change this. Um, and it, it reopened, I think, stronger than ever. And uh, a lot of that has to do with, you know, all the thought and perseverance that Brian's put into it. Yeah, it's like you don't, you don't usually get a, a second chance for a first impression, but you guys really did, and you took a full advantage. Loved hearing that. All right, talk about today. You know, the last seven years, uh, you've been in the mountains. You've been accelerating. Talked about your uh, just dedication to small yay and to that craft and, and your skills within it. I'm very interested in what are the phone calls, what are the lunches like when you guys have gotten together today a year ago, five years ago, what's the relationship like now? And maybe what's some of the advice you're constantly looking to Brian to continue to kind of give you as you've evolved in your career? You know, I think it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, you know, we're very fortunate enough that um, Brian's able to make it up here sometimes. And, you know, of course, everybody comes into town during food and wine, and then I'm able to make it down to, to Boulder, um, you know, a couple times a year and always try to, you know, all right, well, I, I'm, I'm going to eat at all Brian's restaurants. I'm going to eat at all Bobby's restaurants. You know, I got this amount of time in Boulder. Um, but it's great. I mean, we, you know, we, we catch up on a, on a whole different level now because, you know, I'm a lot further along in the industry and, you know, I've, I've matured. He's got an amazing restaurant group. So uh, there's always stories to swap and always lessons to learn. And, uh, yeah, it's really fascinating. Yeah, those having somebody that's in the industry but outside of your little circle or even your bubble within the restaurant is is super super important. Uh, touch on on Jimmy's for a second. I'd be super interested just for you to give us a, a couple glimpses maybe on some of the people now that you're in a position. Do you find yourself channeling some of the things Brian taught you? Is now you? I'm sure in a position where. You have quite a few people under you. You're constantly training people. Talk about that dynamic a little bit and, and, and even shout out a couple of people that you see yourself, you know, eight years ago and, uh, and are up and coming within Jimmy's. Totally. Totally. Um, I've got, it's, it's a pretty amazing experience up here at Jimmy's. Um, you know, a lot of that has to do with the restaurant owners, Jimmy and Jess. You know, they, there's a reason I've been here seven years and, and plan to continue that is because, you know, they've really created running a restaurant around philosophy. And so one thing, you know, our employee handbook doesn't really include information about, oh, this is how you clear a table. This is how you do this. It's more about philosophy and how, and how you work. Um, so one of the big philosophies, which always rings back and I think is, is helpful just so much in the industry is it's, it's not about being right. It's about getting what you want. As soon as you can remove the need to be right, then it opens up all the other possibilities as far as how you can make things better and 
and things like that. And I always think back because there's definitely, so I, I worked for Brian when I was about 24 and you know, you're 24, like you're pretty sure that you know everything on the planet right about that age. And, and so there's definitely times where I'm like training people and be like, this, you know, I'll be like, you know what? I would have totally said that when I was younger and, you know, Brian would have uh, been like, God, is this, you know what? I'm going to let that one, I'm going to let that one slide. <laughs> but no, it's, it's really cool to see. Um, we, we have a Somalia, Somalia team of four up here and um, it's cool to see, you know, some up and coming through. I've got a great guy right now, Andrew House. Um, he's been a Somalia with me for a bit and, you know, increased his skills an amazing amount in a short time and uh, he's going to be taking over a program fairly soon and it's always pretty rewarding to see people um, do things like that. Yeah, that was clear when, when Brian was talking to you, the same kind of thing. It's like a, you're like a proud papa, you know, you're like, you brought him up, <laughs> you, you kicked the crap out of him, you picked him back up, you dusted him off, you taught him what you needed to teach him. Uh, the 24-year-old know-it-all kid, I love it. I really also like, selfishly, when uh, when guests crystallize some of the thesis of this show, like this show is totally based on us valuing and focusing on why and who before what and how in the industry, because we get so chummed up in the minutia of what we do and how we do it. But the why and the who right. that like anchor and the North star keeps grounded and it keeps us aspiring to more. So I love hearing that the handbook is just really about setting the tone of like, why and who, you know, why we get out of bed in the morning and who it is that we serve. And, and uh, I really, really appreciate hearing that. So that's clearly why you've been there seven years. Cause that is like multiple lifetimes in restaurant years. So love to hear that kind of longevity. Uh, and it's great to hear that you're mentoring and moving people on and running their own programs. I know that not only is Brian proud of you, but even probably more proud to see that you're doing that for others. So Greg, great talking with you. Uh, excited for your position in the industry and to continue to nurture and grow that and bring more and more hospitality to the hospitality industry. Thanks for talking with us. Totally, Jensen. Thank you so much for taking the time. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.